Welcome to Leadership Network's Future Church Podcast, a podcast with groundbreaking ideas curated just for you. With the need for the gospel in our generation, we must not look for a silver bullet approach. We believe there are many expressions of the local church. Learn how today's thought leaders are navigating the future of the church, 21st century solutions to 21st century challenges. We help leaders get the clarity needed to move from good ideas and intentions to results and impact. For more information about Leadership Network's resources, to help you pursue healthy growth and 100x impact, visit leadnet.org. Welcome to the Leadership Network Ventures podcast. In each of our podcasts, we interview a grant winner from our recent Shark Tank. Now, this Shark Tank is a place where we invite new and innovative initiatives to talk about how they're finding new ways to share the gospel, break through divisions, and make disciples. My name is Hal Mayer, and today I'm talking with my friend Walter Harvey and the With Movement. How you doing, Walter? I'm doing great, Hal. It's good to be with you. Give me a little insight. Give us a little insight into who Walter is, what's going on in his life. Well, Hal, I am a son of the city of Milwaukee. Um, I grew up in inner city Milwaukee. I've been here 62 years, and my dream growing up was to play basketball in the NBA. Uh, my idol was Walt Frazier. Yeah. Uh, and so I grew up as uh, Walt. I mean, did I wore the Puma tennis shoes. I went to Southern Illinois University. You went to SIU. Did you really? Wow. I did. Yep, I did. I went there to, with the intent to walk on, but I didn't have Christ in my life. And so what I found down there was uh, PMS, power, money and sex. Yeah. Uh, those are the things that will take many men down. And it started taking me down. But I found Christ uh, after yeah. my freshman year. All right. And so roll forward, got kids, married, any of that? Yeah. So after I gave my life to Christ at age 19, I prayed for a Christian girlfriend uh, that I could date and eventually marry. And God answered my prayer. I met my wife, Judy, a month later. Wow. Uh, she was 18. I was 19. We dated for six years. Uh, I eventually moved back to Milwaukee and started going to Marquette, finished there with a bachelor's in psychology, a minor in counseling. Uh, okay. we, got, we got married at age 25, 24, uh, had our, our only son a year later. His name is Nick. Uh, he is working at uh, our church in the media field okay. and also freelancing as a videographer for the Bucks and the Brewers. Oh, wow. Now, did he play basketball? He played in high school, yeah, yeah. but uh, he's, he's, he's fulfilling his passion now. He's down on the court without having to get sweaty. He's, uh, he's <laughs> capturing those guys. Man. That's the way to do it. That's really good. Well, tell us the genesis. What is it God used to break your heart to start this with movement? By the way, if I want to find you online, where do I go? Yeah, I'm online at uh, Instagram. It's Bishop uh, underscore Walter Harvey on Instagram. And okay. I'm also on Facebook at Bishop Walter Harvey. Okay. You have a website? I have a website. It's uh, WalterHarveyMinistries.org. Okay. Um, if they want to find out about more than about me, they can go to with.city, W-I-T-H okay. dot city. And that's where our, our ministry website is. All right. So tell us a little bit about the genesis of the with movement and what God did in your heart. Yeah. You know, I, my, my heart began to break for my city. Uh, in 2016, 
As I mentioned, I'm a son of the city, had been here, had been pastoring for nearly 22 years at that time. And, uh, you know, we, we were a church of a thousand people, uh, oh, wow. predominantly African-American in the central city, had a great facility, which was a former Jewish synagogue. So we had all of these supposed seemingly measures of success going. Right. Uh, but on a hot summer afternoon, August 13th of 2016, three blocks from our church, a young black male was shot and killed on a Saturday afternoon. And that, e that evening, our city erupted in flames, or at least our community. It's called Sherman Park. Okay. Uh, and uh, there were police cars that were burned, uh, buildings that were set on fire. There was a, a heavy presence of police. They literally took over our church parking lot as a armored vehicle command post. Wow. And uh, I, I admitted selfishly that I was somewhat relieved that they were on our church parking lot because at least we knew the church building wasn't going to burn. Right. Um, but I knew that I, I was called for more than just caring for a facility. We're called to care for, for people, God's sheep. And so we decided we we're going to have service that next day because, you know, pastors, Sundays are coming. We're always, you mm -hmm. know, we're measuring the 52 Sundays, right? Yeah. And uh, this is a Saturday night and uh, everything shut down in the city. But I decided we're going to meet at the church. We're going to walk down to the spot of the unrest and we're going to okay. clean it up and we're going to engage the people who are there. <clears throat> and we did that. And on that morning, I met a young man named Sedan Smith. Sedan is the brother of the young man who had been shot and killed the night before. And this young man was walking through the crowd, T-shirtless, uh, you know, pants hanging down, you know, that's kind of an urban male thing, you know, to have the right. baggy pants. And, uh, and I was introduced to his grief and to his pain. Yeah. Uh, I was introduced to a population of people that I never would have met uh, wow. if I had continued to stay focused on the inside of the church. And so we decided that we needed to continue to be on that spot. And we knew that there was further potential for unrest that evening. So we gathered at the church uh, when the sun went down, a group of us pastors and parishioners, we prayed and we walked back down to the spot of the unrest. And, uh, and again, it was a very tense moment. Uh, police were on one side and a crowd of people were on the other side. We walked right past the police and we walked right into the midst of the crowd that was very frustrated and uh, disenfranchised, angry. And one of the leaders of the crowd asked me some soul piercing questions. Yeah. First question he asked me, uh, hey, aren't you the pastor from the church up the street? I said, yeah. He said, well, why are you here? I said, we're here because we love God. We love you and we love this community and we're not going to see it go up in flames. He said, OK, preacher, that's that's OK. He said, I got another question for you. He said, where the hell has the church been? Wow. Um, and there was a moment of silence. Uh, and I thought, you know what, you're right. The church has not been engaged uh, in, in this community before. With it. And when I say community, I'm not talking about geography. I'm talking about a, uh, a, a biography of people. Okay. You know, like I had never known or heard of Sedan Smith. I never knew of his brother, Seville Smith, who had been shot and killed. Uh, we were focused on the, on the uh, 99 who were coming into our building and not on the one. Okay. And I, I answered his question. I said, you know what? You're right. You, we haven't been with you, but we're here now. And uh, that was the birth of the with movement. Because he, he questioned me and said, we drive past your church on Sunday. 
and we see the parking lot full. Uh, but then in the afternoon, we see the parking lot empty and the church is not with us. And that's when I realized that our church had died, uh, not because of age, but we had died in impact uh, with our community. Wow. And so we, we determined that we were going to be not only externally focused, you know, doing outreach with people, but we were going to be with people. And that was the birth of the with movement. Okay. So in that Genesis beginning, uh, what were some of the things you wanted to make sure with was going to do? What was kind of the dream of with? Yeah, the, the dream was of with, I, I'll tell you what it was and what it was not. Okay. It was, it was not to take the place of Sunday morning, uh, you know, in gatherings, you know, okay. the attractional model of church. Uh, thank God for that. I gave my life to Christ yeah, as a result of that. I was, right. I was mentored and discipled in that movement, and I've pastored in it for 35 years. Uh, and, but what I also realized is that we continue to maintain and reach people that way that there was a population of people that were never going to come through the threshold, across the threshold of the doors yeah. of our church. And so the WITH movement is designed to unleash ordinary people who are already coming into the church, uh, particularly artists and uh, entrepreneurs, you know, uh, change agents, social activists, ordinary people to be released and go out and uh, just do life with people and make right. disciples where they live, work and play. So that was that was the intent of the with movement, and uh, and and from that, from making disciples, we also have a second goal, and that is transforming the places where there is pain. Our vision is to transform every community's pain point through a disciple making movement, but also using business as a tool of justice. Okay. And there are there are people that come into the doors of our church that sit. And we, you know, we give them a hymnal or we give them a choir robe or we give them bulletins to pass out. Uh, but they have uh, they have marketplace skills that they're wondering, how do I activate these, you know, within my community? How do right. I make a difference? And so the with movement is designed to really unleash those kind of people uh, and uh, and and alleviate and disturb, disrupt the pain that's in our communities. That's so good. That's so good. Um Tell us the story of life change. Somebody who's making a difference or gave their life to Christ, something like that. Well, the, the young man who was shot and killed, S uh -huh. Seville Smith, um, you know, his, his name was Seville. His brother's name was Sedan. So their father, you know, he obviously liked Cadillacs because he <laughs> two of his okay. boys after the vehicles. I told you how I met Sedan and right. uh, I encountered and continue to encounter Sedan night after night. And those uh, nights of unrest, uh, he and I became uh, friends. We, we, we walk in a mutual respect and relationship and admiration for each other. I began to really listen to the people who were on that green space during those nights. And I listened to Sudan and he began to tell me that he had dreams of being an entrepreneur. He had dreams of, uh, of music. Uh, he had dreams of being a community activist. Well, Today, Sedan, and for the last six years, six summers, he has facilitated a community picnic and a community gathering at that same spot in that same park, Sherman oh. Park, uh, with the name of his brother on it. And uh, there are backpacks that are given away to kids, school supplies in it, uh, a healthy free meal, there are community resources, 
you know, community agencies that come out and set up tables and booths. Uh, and it's really a, a positive gathering time. So out of that pain and disruption, um, you know, some wow. beauty has the beauty has come out of the ashes. Yeah, that's interesting how God takes our deepest pain. And if we lean into him, he turns it into a ministry. He turns it in a way we can care for others. Um, so right now is, are you still pastoring that church? Uh, I am not. Um, two years ago, I successfully completed a succession plan out of the church. Okay. Uh, and after the unrest uh, and the killing took place, I, I had already known six years before that, that uh, God was shifting me for, you know, something different. Sure. Uh, and I, I knew that I would still be connected to my city and still connected to my church, but not in the lead pastor role. Okay. So we, we launched a, a two year succession plan and uh, that's go That went, it went tremendously. My successor uh, is continuing in the, in the theme and the vision of what the foundation that was laid and really building upon it. Uh, nice. And I'm coming alongside of him as a coach and a multiplier and, uh, you know, we're walking and living out the with movement in Milwaukee. And the church has also sent me out and empowered me to take the with movement across the country. Oh, wow. So tell me, how's that going? Tell me some stories of churches you're meeting with and what's happening there. Well, uh, you know, our, our privilege is to come alongside of churches right. and to help them imagine new possibilities of disrupting pain. Uh, most recently, I was in a city called Lynn, Massachusetts, a little small city outside of Boston, uh, three miles from Salem, Massachusetts, where the okay. Salem witch trials took place. Uh, and this is a church that's living out the with movement. They, they okay. have a wonderful multicultural, multi-ethnic congregation and the worship and the, you know, the display on Sunday morning is tremendous, but it has to go beyond that. And uh, they understand that. And so they have gone through the process of listening to their community, of doing asset-based community uh, development, ABCD, asset-based community development, which really means that we see these impoverished communities not as liabilities, but as assets. Okay. There's gold in those hills, the people who are there, the, you know, the, the remnants of homeowners who are there, the community activists, community stakeholders, uh, the schools, the churches who are there. And so- uh, just by doing assessment and finding out who, what are the assets and building with what we have. And so transformation begins to take place from the inside out. This is a, a ministry now that has not just a church, but they have a, uh, a resale shop that's generating revenue that's really funding more ministry. They're funding programs that are taking women out of human trafficking, uh, oh. funding programs that are, uh, that are disrupting the children that are aging out of foster care. Oh. Funding programs that are uh, impacting the homeless community. Uh -huh. uh, they, they have a coffee shop that's funding programs, so much so that they're no longer relying upon tithes and offerings of the church. Oh, wow. So they're disrupting the pain of that community. They're using business as a tool of justice. Oh, uh, that's neat. And they're making disciples of everybody uh, that's a part of their program, as well as those that are coming to the church. If you're like most leaders, no one ever actually taught you how to lead a church. Even if you ace seminary, there are so many unanswered questions and problems that no one equipped you for. 
It's time to take the mystery out of leading your church forward. The Art of Leadership Academy is an online learning community created by Carrie Newhoff. Inside, you'll find a host of premium on-demand courses and the strategies and insights you need to lead and grow your church. Plus, the Art of Leadership Academy offers community hosted by qualified experts and peer-to-peer learning. And you'll get live monthly coaching and done-for-you staff training, all for $397 a year. That's it. No catch. Think of it as the best investment in leadership development you'll make all year. Go to theartofleadershipacademy.com to sign up. That's theartofleadershipacademy.com to learn more and to get instant access. So that's in Massachusetts. You've been around some other places. Where else else have you been? Yeah, I was just recently out in uh, uh, Santa Ana, Los Angeles, California. Uh, There's another uh, church and ministry there. Uh, It's called Christ-Centered Ministries, Pastor Troy Vaughn, and he's doing the exact same thing. Uh, Troy Vaughn could run for mayor of Los Angeles and probably win, uh, even, oh, wow. though he's a, even though he's a pastor. Uh, and this is a, a, a similar model where they've unleashed ordinary people from their congregation who are running effective programs. Uh, and Los Angeles has probably the, one of the largest uh, homeless communities in America. They also have a very large yes. uh, uh, foster and adoptive uh, community there and children that often age out of that community mm-hmm. end up homeless and end up trafficked. Right. And so they're developing programs in both of those arenas. They're doing job training, uh, on- entrepreneurial training as well. Uh, and so Los Angeles has been a part of my journey. Uh, uh, Seattle, Washington is coming up in 2023. In fact, one of the things I'm excited about, Hal, is that we have targeted 10 cities in 2023 uh, that we're going to um, uh, launch the with movement in. Uh, this includes right. Seattle, Atlanta, Jacksonville, Washington, D.C., Detroit, Michigan, Chicago, Illinois, Dallas, Texas. Uh, did I say Atlanta, Georgia? Yes. Uh, we're going back to Los Angeles again, um, uh, Phoenix, Arizona, uh, uh, and Columbus, Ohio. So. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a movement and and it's really designed to to see the ecclesia. Uh, the, the body of Christ really intentionally uh, moving and bringing about change where we live, work, and play. So how long have you been doing with? How many years? We've been doing it for actually one year. This was the first year. We, we took a year after George Floyd was killed in 2020. We took a year right. to really, uh, to really de- develop it, design it, to brand it, uh, to do some beta testing for it, sure. to develop, develop a community that could speak into it and help co-create it. And then uh, we launched it in February of this year, right here in Milwaukee, where I'm based. Uh, okay. And uh, we've gone to Jacksonville and we've also gone to Los Angeles this year. And so this is really the first year that we've launched it and uh, we're, we're making traction. Yeah. So tell me some of the key learnings. What I mean, as you get it out there, you obviously have to adjust things, maybe change some things. Learn, you've learned some things. What is some of the key learnings that have driven some of the changes? Yeah, well, one of the one of the things that we uh, that we we've learned, and we help the pastors and their design team when they come into our studio. We call it a ministry studio because the studio is a place okay. that you go into 
when you have a song in your heart or you got some sheet music and you want to record it or you got something that you want to put on canvas, you go into the studio. And so we call it a ministry studio. We invite the pastor, their spouse, and three to 10 members of a design team uh, to really create this model of disciple making and community transformation through business. And um, we've learned that that many churches don't really have a, uh, a model of disciple making. Right. They, they don't have a, a strategy for, um, you know, creating social enterprises. Uh, and so we help them through a process of listening, uh, of doing that asset-based community development. We, we help them also through a process of learning. And we have some practitioners on our team that are skilled in business model canvas design. Mm -hmm. uh, or ministry model canvas design and just really discovering, you know, uh, who are your customers? You know, uh, what are your challenges? What's your values proposition? Right. You know, our, our values proposition to our community and world has to go beyond, hey, we've got a great service on Sunday morning. You should come. Right. Uh, that's not going to disrupt pain. And right. so we, we've learned that a lot of churches and COVID has helped us to realize this as well, that a lot of churches were, were dead or dying. And COVID just kind of exposed it. Right. Uh, and, and now we have an opportunity to, uh, to dream beyond the, the four walls of the church and, and do life with people who live in our communities. Give me a couple distinctives that you say are clear drivers for your ministry. Uh, you know, what, what are some things you want to make sure you set in place? Sounds like one of them was listening. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, are there some others you haven't mentioned? Maybe you've already mentioned them, but I'm just trying to. Yeah. One of, one of the other clear drivers is ordinary people. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, Jesus chose 12 ordinary men. You know, Acts chapter four, I think, describes those men. They took note that they were ordinary men, but they had been with Jesus. Oh. Uh, and to, to, to be a disciple who makes disciples who makes disciples or to, you know, to launch and multiply business and using it as a place of ministry, it doesn't require a master's degree or even a seminary degree. And so ordinary right. people uh, is really one of our drivers, one of our core values. Uh, and when, when pastors, you know, are really the gatekeepers of the congregation, when they understand this, that you don't have to shut down Sunday morning, but you have an opportunity to train, equip, and unleash ordinary people to be on mission outside of Sunday, and they come to church on Sunday with Monday in mind. I guess that'd be another one of our drivers, is okay. that we, we love Sunday, we love the attractional model of church, uh, but there's gold in the hills on Monday through Saturday. And, <laughs> okay. uh, and, and, and we feel like we're minors. We feel like that's our mandate to unleash ordinary folks into those places. And I guess a, a third driver would be a dependency upon the Holy Spirit. You know, my, okay. my background is Pentecostal and um, the, the places that we, we feel called to, you know, America's inner cities in particular, they didn't just happen. They didn't happen overnight. And the problems are not going to be solved overnight. Right. But there's there's some true and intense spiritual warfare in these communities. And it's going to require a, a deep reliance upon the Holy Spirit. It's going to require you know, strategy and methodology, but it's going to require prayer and people who are empowered uh, by the spirit of God as well. Oh, that's so good. Um, let me ask you this. Uh, what would you say are some of the biggest, biggest challenges 
uh, with has. I, I, let's let's look at it this way: when you're trying to when you, when you go to Atlanta to start, what are some of the challenges that are inherent when you first try to start something like that? That's a great question, Hal. Um, I would say it's a scarcity mindset. That's one of the first challenges. Okay. Uh, the scarcity mindset can manifest itself so often in uh, communities that have dealt with lack and poverty uh, from the standpoint that the ministries and the people in those churches can see themselves as the mission field, first of all. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. And, and so there's an expectation of somebody coming and helping me and giving me something. Uh, and that closes so many windows naturally, but windows of heaven where we begin to see ourselves as the mission field. Uh, God has no portal through which to, to bless us, to send us to the mission field. Right. And uh, those churches end up, uh, you know, just kind of dying to their community. So if that church ever closed or the pastor ever died and they didn't have a succession plan, most of the people in the community wouldn't notice or wouldn't care. And so okay. the scarcity mindset has to be, uh, has to be challenged. Um, I, I feel that uh, another um, obstacle along with that scarcity mindset is a, an indifference of the suburban community to the pain and plight and poverty in, in these po impoverished places. And so there has to be a healing of indifference uh -huh. from the uh, suburban communities where there might be more wealth, but there also has to be a healing of the ignorance uh, from those that are dealing with scarcity. And when, if we can bring those two together, yeah. then we can have the whole church bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Uh, so that scarcity is, is definitely a, uh, a challenge and uh, it's helping the mm -hmm. pastor. Thirdly, I think to look up from the weeds, um, you know, so many pastors uh, are not, I would say not operating out of hope. They're just operating out okay. of necessity. Right. And, uh, and every day it's, it's a grind for them. It's, it's really not an opportunity presented to them to dream about new possibilities. And uh, so when we bring them into the studio, it's really to help them to, to imagine new possibilities. We, we literally take them through a process where we help them to exegete their own sacred story uh, you know, you asked me at the beginning, you know, my sacred story, you know, it's, it's yeah. been around basketball. It's been around Milwaukee. It's been around the inner city. It's been around God's people. Uh, but every person has a sacred story. Every community has a sacred story. All right. and, and we help them to also figure out how their church fits into the puzzle of the story that God has been writing for this community long before they got there. And, and my theology for that, my theology of the city really comes out of the fact that Jesus wept only two times in scripture. He wept over a person and he wept over a place. And every place has a sacred story. And we want the pastor to have opportunity to breathe some, some ethereal air and look up from the weeds and see what God has been doing in that city. That's what happened to me, Hal, in 2016. I was so focused on the inside of the building and yeah. what we were doing. All of our, all of our dollars, our, our staff meetings, uh, you know, our planning was about, hey, well, we got to make got to make this better than last Sunday. Right. We got to make this program and this cantata better than last year. Right. And, you know, 90 percent of our energy was there. Ten percent was occasionally we do something in terms of outreach. 
And so we never really were dreaming and exegeting what's the story of this community? What has God been doing? But when that young man was shot and killed, we realized that God was already dancing. He was doing a divine dance uh, in that spot of, of pain and, and, and frustration. And so we simply joined him in the dance. And, uh, you know, one of the other tremendous um, values that, that I have and that the WITH movement have is the Greek word perichoresis. And it's the divine dance of the, of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit that they're dancing around. There's a choreographic harmony and unity <clears throat> and I'm convinced that God is doing it in the dark and dangerous places, but he's inviting the church to leave the safety of the sanctuary and join him in those places. Oh, that's really good. Now, you mentioned something when we were talking before, but you were doing outreach ministry at your church, but it was much more transactional. Yes. Talk about that for a minute. Yeah, uh, I, I'm thankful for outreach and I don't discourage it. I think it it's healthy. It's uh it can make a difference, um, but outreach is limited. It's not. It's often not sustainable. Uh, we were doing outreach uh, on our own terms. We, when we came together to plan and meet, uh, our team would say, hey, what day are you free? I'm free on Friday. Well, what day are you free? I'm free on Saturday. Oh, I'm not free on Saturday. Okay, we won't do the outreach on Saturday because we were doing it on our own terms, okay. on our own schedule according to our own resources, as if we knew what was best for our community, as if we knew what all the needs were. We didn't do an assessment of who was already doing something. Uh, and so there's duplication, there's multiplication, there's waste, there's no collaboration, there's competition that's bred. Uh, and it was transactional because our real goal was that, hey, we're giving you this free stuff, but we'd love for you to come inside the church and, you know, help fulfill our goals, increase our numbers, you know, uh, of course, we want you to know Christ. We want you to join the church because numbers are important. You know, numbers are so important to God. He named a book, you know, called That's Numbers. Right. Uh, <laughs> we want you to become a member. We want you to become a volunteer. And, you know, if you got a job, you know, we want you to tithe. And so we realized that it was transactional, that uh, yeah. we weren't just doing it whether they, you know, were discipled or not. Uh, and it's often not sustainable. The, the old saying is you give a person a fish, they eat for a day, teach them the fish, they eat for a lifetime. We were challenged to stretch uh, our outreach into being with, and that is you, we want to help people to own the lake or own the pond, and they can manufacture their own fish. Because I believe that economic development uh, is crucial to turning these communities around. Yeah. You know, I, I grew up in the inner city, Hal, and I remember... Before I even came to Christ, my friends and I, we would often joke that the, the black pastor always drove a Cadillac and there was a church on every corner. Uh, and, and the reason we often would say that is because those churches were most of them, I felt, in my opinion, were not necessarily disrupting the pain of the neighborhoods that they were planted in. You had to come inside the building. And I also realized that those were usually impoverished and poor communities where you had a church on every corner. But if you go into another neighborhood, you would often see businesses. And I'm wondering, you know, I'm just a simple, simple guy. I think simple. I was like, you know, we don't need more churches. We need more businesses in the inner city. That's how we'll begin to see some transformation, especially if they're ordinary Christians who are running these businesses and working in them, who are, are purposeful about making disciples who make disciples we'll begin to see transformation in the community. Wow. Such a good story, Walter. I, I sure appreciate you 
being on this podcast. Is there anything I've missed that maybe you want to touch on or? You know, uh, I'm excited about uh, the WITH movement and it, it's not a conference. You know, there are many pastors who have come to our studio and they leave and say, oh, man, that was good. When are you going to do it again? I was like, wait, wait, wait. You missed it. You missed it. It's yeah. not a it's not an event. God's inviting us to be with him on the dance. He's inviting us to experience him. He's inviting us to dream new possibilities. Uh, he's inviting us to come outside the walls of the church and join him in those dark and dangerous places. There's some Sedan and Seville Smiths in every community uh, that uh, God's doing a work in their life. They're, they're people of peace. And uh, we have the privilege of just of just following Jesus in those places. And so that's what I'm devoting the next half of my life to. I'm thankful for 35 years of pastoral ministry and may the next 35 or so uh, just be an adventure with Jesus, doing life with him and doing life with people in these places. Oh man, so good. Thanks so much for this interview. Thanks so much for what you're doing. Anybody wants to check you out, you've given the places uh, to do that. The online with is called what? With.city. With.city, all right, perfect. Well, God's best to you, my friend, as you keep chasing down this with movement, may God use that to uh, help penetrate the points of pain in our communities. Thank you, Hal. Develop disciples who develop disciples. So good to be with you today.